Okay, so we're in week uh, eight, I think, in our uh, words to live by. We've, for those of you that maybe uh, your first time here today, we've been preaching a series out of the book of Proverbs and encouraging you to read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written by the wisest man who ever lived, the wisest, richest man who ever lived. And it's filled with all kinds of incredible uh, insight. And, you know, Proverbs is a short statement with a powerful message. And Proverbs is filled with that. And so we've been in this series. And last week we talked about a key to a changed life. If you want to change anything in your life, we talked about that last week and about if you want to change your life, change your thinking. And uh, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, uh, you know, the, the scripture says that as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you if you change your thinking, you can change your life. You can change every area of your life. Amen. Now, today I want to talk to you about about the life God blesses. How many of you'd like your life to be blessed? You know, I remember one time this couple came up to me and they said, Todd, would you pray for our relationship? We want God's blessing on our relationship. And so I said, OK, I'd be glad to pray for you. But while I was praying for this couple, it occurred to me that many times we think that like even as pastors or priests or whatever, that we have some kind of special, you know, in with God and we can do we can bless things and people that that otherwise can't be blessed. But, you know, after I finished praying, I said, listen, I, I just want to mention to you that I'd be glad to pray for you and ask God to bless you. And I know he'll listen to our prayer. But I want you to know there's some things that you can do on your side that can cause your life to be blessed greater than you've ever, ever known or never experienced. So sometimes we just gotta, you know, we just gotta know what that is, right? We gotta find that out, you know? And so today I wanna talk to you about, about the life God blesses, and it's a principle that's found right there in, in the book of Proverbs. And it's in Proverbs chapter four, and it's in verse 23. And it says this, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, I want to read that again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, you can read that verse and it means absolutely nothing to you. But I'm telling you, this verse has the potential to revolutionize our life if we will apply it. So let's unpack that principle this morning. And let's talk about it. What is this verse saying? I believe what this verse is saying is the condition of your heart will determine the kind of life that you will live. If your heart is right, if your heart is healthy, if it's right with God, your life is going to get blessed. But if your heart is not right, if your heart is not in a healthy place, you are going to block the blessing and the favor of God from flowing in your life. Does that make sense? Now, the heart, you know, it's not the physical heart. The heart represents our inner being uh, and includes our motives, our feelings, our affections, our desires, all those things are involved with the heart. So my paraphrase of this verse is this. If we work hard at keeping our heart right, keep our motives right, pay attention to our attitudes, be careful about our infatuations, watch our desires, work hard at keeping our heart right before God, it will affect every area of our life in a positive way. You know, years ago, you've probably heard me tell this story, but it's a story that's really powerful. Years ago in uh, South America, there was a, a village like up in the mountains and, uh, and all of a sudden a bunch of people in the village started getting sick and people were dying left and right and they couldn't understand what was going on. And so the elders of the city, they begin to just get some help, some, some, uh, 
some people to come and consult them and, and to figure out what was going on. And uh, so they started doing some research and they figured out that the water was contaminated. And so what happened was that the water that the village people would drink would come from upstream and the water would come downstream and then they would they would drink the water from the stream in the village. Well, as they went up the stream, they found out that there was a dead animal in the stream. And obviously this animal was contaminated with bacteria and viruses or whatever. And as the water came down through the stream and it flowed by the animal, the animal was contaminating the water. So there they were in the village drinking the water and they were getting sick and they were even dying. And so what they did was they removed the animal from the stream and all of a sudden the water cleared up the disease has left the village and all of a sudden the village got healthy again. That's a picture sometimes without us realizing it, we could have a contaminated heart. We could have diseases in our heart and it could be contaminating our life and we're wondering why everything in our life is not working properly and we don't realize that if we can just get the disease out of our heart, the rest of our life will start flourishing like it never did before. Does that make sense to you? I believe, you know, I, I remember, um, I remember, you know, let me, let me just say the real challenge is to know whether your heart is right. That's the real challenge because my heart is right. You know, have you ever said this to somebody? The Lord knows my heart. Well, how many of you know your heart can lie to you? Yeah, you, you can think your heart is right, but it's not right. The real challenge is knowing if your heart is right. How do you know if your heart is right with God or not? The condition of your heart can be tough to, to diagnose. In fact, you know, in uh, 2009, have y'all ever heard of this guy, Michael Jackson? Well, Michael Jackson died in 2009. And whenever they did an autopsy, they found out he died of a cardiac arrest. But what was interesting, I, I saw this interview. They interviewed a physician and the physician uh, said that they had given him a complete physical only about two months earlier. And so they, so the interviewer that was interviewing the physician said, well, if they did a physical two months earlier, why is it that they didn't detect that he had a heart condition? And this is what the physician said. The physician said, no, not necessarily. You can't always detect a heart disease. Over 90% of the people who die from heart disease never knew they had heart problems. So here's the point. What's true of a physical heart condition can also be true of a spiritual heart condition. It can be hard to diagnose. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is more deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how God, how bad it is? So this is what Jeremiah says. He says, the human heart is deceitful. What that means is it's fraudulent, it's dishonest, and it's misleading. So it's crazy because my own heart can lie to me. Does that make sense? Our hearts have the ability to defraud us, be dishonest, misleading, and untruthful. And so sometimes I might say, well, my heart's right on this, but I'm being deceived. It's not right on this. And so without realizing it, your heart will deceive you into thinking everything's okay when it's really not. So you might have a dead animal in the water of your life and you might not even know it. So like the physical heart, the spiritual heart is hard to diagnose. It's hard to really know if it's right. So this morning, I want to talk to you about 
four symptoms of an unhealthy heart to help us diagnose it. It's like a spiritual diagnostic test, okay? And then I want to talk to you about how to get your heart healthy. So let's deal with the symptoms first. The first symptom of an unhealthy heart is a lustful heart. Proverbs chapter 6. Now listen, Proverbs talks all, all about the heart. And there's more verses than I can use this morning. But I encourage you, when you read the Proverbs, look at the verses that talk about the heart. And so this is one, Proverbs 6.25. It says, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her, cap, uh, her, her captivate you with her eyes. Now, obviously, this verse is talking about sexual lust, right? Lust is a sexual desire out of control. And so 1 Corinthians 7, 8 says, so I say to those who aren't married and widows, it's better to stay unmarried if you can, just as I am. But if you can't control yourselves, go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. So Paul's talking about sexual purity. And he says, he says it's better to marry than to burn with lust. So he says, listen, you know, listen, abstinence is not just a good practice for young people. How many of you know it's a good practice for adults as well, right? So adults are not released from the obligation or practice of sexual restraint. Isn't this an exciting message? I'm hearing amens all over the place this morning. And so Paul is speaking to those that are not married and widows, and he says, it's better to marry than to burn with lust. So listen, if you're presently sexually active, and you're not married, listen, this is a symptom of a heart disease. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 says this, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So you see, Jesus goes beyond the action. He says, you, you, don't, you can't even afford to think about that, right? So Jesus condemned even the desire of sexual fulfillment outside of marriage by calling it adultery. So let's heed Paul's sober warning. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, he says, flee sexual immorality. And all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So Paul's saying, flee sexual immorality. And so if you want to live a life that God can bless, you have to live a pure life. You have to live a life of purity if you want God's hand of blessing upon you. If you got that, say, I got that. Number two, the second symptom of an unhealthy healthy heart is an anxious heart. An anxious heart. Proverbs 12.25 says this, An anxious heart weighs, it, weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers it up. An anxious heart weighs a man's heart down. Now, an anxious heart is a heart that is just weighed down with things like worry. How many of you know you can't enjoy peace when you're worrying? It's, it's a heart that's, that's weighed down with stress and, and with sorrow, with grief and with fear. And so some people on the natural, it looks like everything's fine. It looks like their heart is okay. But the reality is it's weighed down. And if given enough time, an anxious heart would drive you to depression or can drive you into depression. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Depression is sometimes just a, 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 a symptom of a diseased heart. And the Lord wants us to be free from depression. Amen? So the bottom line is an anxious, stressful, fearful, worried heart is a spiritually 
deep-rooted problem. The root of an anxious heart is really a lack of faith, a lack of trusting God. You know, we can even spiritualize it. I'm really concerned about, and it sounds like we're very compassionate, but no, we got to trust God. Come on, I need a better amen. There's just one there. Are y'all with me? Okay, so John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He's telling us, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Here's the good news, right? Through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can be healed of a diseased heart, a diseased heart of anxiety and worry and stress and fear. Amen. That's the good news. God has promised us a peaceful heart. Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, don't be anxious. I love this. This is the true living Bible translation. Don't, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. How many of you think that's a good philosophy right there? Live one day at a time. I don't know about you, but my mind tends to want to go to tomorrow and not enjoy today. Amen. So listen, after you get done with church today, go home and, and get you some tea, sit on the back patio or in your favorite chair and enjoy this afternoon and don't worry about tomorrow. Amen. A third symptom of an unhealthy heart is this. A proud heart. Now, we talked about this last week, but let's drill down a little deeper. You know, what they say in the, in the Greek culture, they said uh, the number one law of learning is repetition. So sometimes we got to hear it over and over and over and over and over again, right? All our parents, all the parents know this, right? But you know, so let's talk about it. What is a proud person? Cause sometimes we can be walking around. I'm, I'm humble. Well, that's a, that's an indication right there, right? That's funny. So a proud person, listen, is someone who is in, has an inflated opinion of themselves. They feel more important than others. They're, they are overly confident and they feel like they can do better than anybody else around. They have an air of superiority that usually can be detected by their attitude and the way that they treat other people. And so Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not go unpunished. The proud of heart is an abomination to the Lord. In, in Proverbs 6, the Bible says there's six things the Lord hates. And one of the things he hates is a haughty look. The admonition is that it's an abomination to the Lord, which means extreme disgust or dislike. And so wouldn't it be crazy that we'd be trying to live the Christian life and we're disgusting the Lord? But we can actually do that. By our attitude, by our, by our heart. A person who's proud of heart will never be on God's list of favorites, right? They will never live that life of blessing that God has for us. In fact, the Bible says pride brings humiliation in your life. Look at Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Pride keeps you in relational conflict with others. Proverbs 13, 10, pride leads to arguments. And finally, pride will bring destruction in your life. 
Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So pride is really a symptom of a diseased heart. And sometimes it's hard to diagnose. Like, like, do I have a proud heart or not? So here's some indicators. Number one, when you become more self-reliant than God-reliant, you're proud. Because humility depends on God. Can I get a better amen? When you're constantly harsh and critical and judgmental of others, that's a sign that you're proud because humility is gentle towards others. When you're easily offended and you overly concern about what others think, that's an indication that you're proud because humility forgives others' faults, recognizing that they got plenty of their own and they're secure in their relationship. And so whether everybody else likes them or not, they just want to make sure God likes them. When you concede it and you demand things always, Go your way. Humility is easy going and doesn't get messed up easily. These are just some indicators. So the question is, do I have a proud heart or do I have a humble heart? It's a diagnostic test. And then number four, a fourth and final symptom of an unhealthy heart is this, a hard heart. Now, a hard heart is, is sometimes, again, difficult to to uh, to diagnose, because sometimes we live in an environment where everybody around us has hard hearts, so I'm just like everybody around me. And then you get around different people, and you recognize, wow, they're, they're a little bit different than me. But look what Proverbs 28, 14 says, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. A hard-hearted person lives a hard life. I don't want to be hard-hearted. I want to be tenderhearted. What about you? Would you consider yourself a tenderhearted person or a hard-hearted person? I believe, you know, if we ask our family, they can tell us. They'll tell us the truth, right? But I believe everybody, everybody's really born with a tender heart. But our heart gets hardened with life experiences with abuse, with hurts. When you're raised in an environment with an iron-fisted family, it tends to harden your heart. I remember Tanya and I working with some kids uh, whenever we were doing youth. And I remember we were taking some kids to uh, to a, a, a concert or something, and they were getting on the bus. And and they they getting on the bus, and I, I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and, and one of the kids just walked right in the bus, and he just sat down in the seat, you know, right there. The first one that was open. And uh, his uh, his guardian came right behind him. And whenever she saw that he was seated right there, she didn't want him to sit right there, obviously. And she slapped him over the head like, and I thought to myself, how is this kid ever going to grow up with tenderness in his life when he's getting treated like that at a very young age? Are y'all tracking with me? And so some of us, it might have not been that extreme, but we might have never been able to do anything right. And we were always scolded. And our parents were tough as nails. And if you shed a tear, they were going to give you something to cry about as if you needed something to cry about. Right? So those things can harden your heart. How do you know if you have a hard heart? 
If you lose your emotional tenderness. You know, sometimes we, we grow up and in, in, and in our culture, if you cry, it's a sign of weakness. No, it's not. Jesus wept and he's our model. And so if Jesus wept, I think it's okay. I need a better buy-in right there. But when you're emotionally unmoved by any circumstance or situation, you know, like, you know, sometimes we pride ourselves in, like, you know, loved ones die and we don't shed a tear. We're tough. Well, that's not necessarily good. That might just be an indication that your heart has got hard. If Listen, here's some signs. When you can't cry or you can't laugh, and you're just so straight-laced. Everybody else is laughing around you, and you're just like, what's so funny? Well, uh, it, the joke. That's what's funny. You, you know what I'm saying? And everybody else is shedding tears, and you're like a, like a, a Roman soldier. That's, that's not good. With the symptoms or the effects of a hard heart, as you become stubborn, and you become unyielding. And you even become rebellious against rules and regulations. And you develop a harsh, critical, fault-finding, and judgmental attitude towards others. That's kind of the effects of a hard heart. You become close-spirited, and you keep everyone at arm's length. And you're, you have problems with anger, and can even become physically abusive and even violent. See, listen, those are, sometimes we deal with the anger and the, and the violence and, and we deal with the harshness and, but it's only, it's only the symptoms of a, another cause. It's the cause of a hard heart. In fact, Jesus said hardness of heart was the main reason many marriages end in divorce. And this is what he said in Matthew 19, 18 or 19, 8. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. Hardness of heart, listen to this, can even be a problem among church-going people. You see, listen, it can be dangerous if you sit in church and you don't do what God tells you to do. And so Hebrews 3.15 says this, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And so a hardness of heart can, can be from obstinacy against God. And saying, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. And you got to harden your heart. I'm not doing it. And you got to harden your heart. But if you harden your heart, the scripture says that it's going to block the flow of blessings in your life. It's going to keep you from living that life that God favors and blesses. And I know that, listen, life is tough enough. It, it would be great if we could have God's blessing flowing in our life, wouldn't it be? Because it would help us to get along better with others. Amen. And it would keep us from getting into problems a lot. And so I asked, you know, if, if you, if you, uh, if you're wondering whether you're, you got some heart disease, this is a diagnostic test. And if you're not sure, if you're brave enough, ask your spouse or ask your children because they'll tell you. Come on, are y'all still with me? Y'all still my friend this morning? This is tough stuff, isn't it? Well, listen, here's, here's the deal. You know, listen, God, like, he doesn't, like, 
Like, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to beat up on my people today. God is not like that, right? He only gives us hard truth because he wants to get the splinter out of our toe. So we don't have to limp around in life. And we can enjoy a good life, a blessed life. Amen? And so, four symptoms of an unhealthy heart. Number one, a lustful heart. This has to do with the, in the, in the arena of, of sexual area. Number two, an anxious heart. This is a heart weighed down. And it, it can seem spiritual. I'm overly concerned. I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm all that. But it actually is an indication that we're really not trusting God. Number three, number three, a proud heart. I don't need God. I got this. Right? I'm, I can do this better than all of you. What's the matter with all of you? Y'all need to get on the program with me, right? And then the fourth one, a hard heart. A hard heart sometimes getting forged by the abuse, the hard times that we endure in life. So listen, you might be walking around with a diseased heart and you don't realize it. And your unhealthy heart is blocking the flow of God's blessing in your life. And if we can just see the principle of this proverb. That's why the proverb says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And see, if, if you have a heart that's diseased and you're wondering why you can't make relationships happen, well, that, that it might be like that dead animal in the water. See, you might be struggling in your life with flowing in the favor and blessing and grace of God. And he's saying, listen, let's, let's, let's do business today and let's get some, let's get some health going in the condition of your heart. And here's the great news. Regardless of the condition of our heart today, we can get a changed heart. Isn't that great news? You can have a healthy heart. That's, that's the good news of the gospel. See, God doesn't just like diagnosis and say, sorry, I'll see you later. You got cancer. Go home and die. No, God says, hey, look, you have some disease in your heart, but I have a remedy. I have a prescription. Come on. I got I got something that can get you on the right track. That's what's wonderful about the gospel. Amen. He don't it doesn't just leave us hanging. There's always hope for us. Amen. So you can have you can have a healthy heart and God wants you to have a healed, healthy heart today. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and in 25, it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. You know what he's doing? He's given the nation of Israel a prescription how to get out of the wilderness and to live in the promised land. And you know what God is telling us today? We don't have to live in the wilderness. We can live in the promised land. Come on, how many of you want to live in the promised land? Amen. I know you do. So there are three ways God changes our heart. And the first one is the Lord changes our heart through his spiritual cleansing. 
And, and that's what verse 25 says. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. You know, the reality is all of us get a filthy heart. All of us sin, the Bible says. All of us fall short. None of us are perfect. So we all get some blockage in our heart, if you would. But Jesus says, listen, if you will put your faith and trust in me, I'm going to cleanse you. If you will just acknowledge, man, I think I got some faults in my life. And if you're just willing to acknowledge that and ask him to forgive you, he's going to pour some fresh water on you and cleanse your heart. Amen. Isn't that great news? First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So all we have to do is admit that we need his forgiveness, which takes humility. Right? Number two, the second thing that changes our heart is the Lord changes our heart through a heart transplant. You know, sometimes people's hearts physically are so bad, they said, you know, you, you need a new heart. You, you, you got to have a new heart. You're going to need a heart transplant. And they, they actually give people a new heart, a transplant, and they live for years and years after that. Spiritually speaking, the Lord can take an old crusty heart. It don't matter how much abuse. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done. It doesn't matter. The Lord can take that old heart. He can just take it out. He'll do surgery in a minute, right? In a second, just like that. He'll take that heart and just take it out. And that's what the Bible says in verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Amen. The heart transplant. That's what some of us need, right? Remember the apostle Paul? He was a headhunter. He was a Christian killer. I mean, he, he hated Christians. He was so hard. He met the Lord one day. He met the Lord. He got blinded. And the Lord touched him. And the Apostle Paul went from being a Christian hater, Christian headhunter, to being the guy who laid down his life to protect and to minister and to care for the, the people of God. I would say that's a heart transplant. Amen? You know, I know, is Miss Clara here? I, I think she's here somewhere. Y'all know Miss Clara? Yeah, you know, Miss Clara, you know, her story is, Man, she cut you up on the street. She was tough as nails. But then she met Jesus one day, and he took all that hate out of her heart, and he filled her heart with love. Now she cuts you, she'll pray for you to get healed. No, just kidding. <laughs> but are y'all tracking with me? I mean, how many of you, come on, how many of you can agree? God is a transforming God, amen. And so listen, the way that you get a trans form life or a heart transplant is when you become born again, when you become a Christian. See, look, I went to church all my life. I was, I was made to go to church. My parents said, you're going to church. And I said, okay, until I got old enough where I didn't have to go to church. But I can tell you, just going to church didn't change my life. But one day I found out about the power of the cross. 
and how Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood so my sins could be forgiven. And that if I would just be willing to surrender my life to him, he would accept me into his family and I, I could become born again, a brand new person. And that's what John 3 says. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse five, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to a spiritual life. Listen, I was 22 years old. I had been doing drugs for 11 years. I hardly lived one day sober. And then God came into my life and he, he saved me. He forgave me. He gave me a heart transplant. And now I'm 55 years old. And I'm telling you, I've never been high like I've been serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can have a heart transplant if you want one. Amen. Would you do me a favor and let's stand together this morning. How many of you glad you're here this morning and that you're serving the Lord? Amen. 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 Would you do me a favor and just bow your head with me for just a moment? The Lord wants to change all of our hearts. We may be living like figuratively speaking like we have a contaminated dead animal in the stream of our life that's diseasing all of our life and the Lord is wanting to heal us this morning. And if we'll just be willing to submit our life to Him, He'll be willing to give us a healed heart. He's an amazing God that has an amazing way of transforming our life. And listen, I know what it's like to believe in God, but not having really experiencing God, not really experiencing a transformed life. And maybe you here today and you say, Todd, I believe I need to be born again. I need a heart transplant. I believe that in, in the, in the disease of my heart, I've been too proud to really live for God, serve God. But today I realize that I need a, I need a new heart. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for the Lord. If that's you while everybody else is praying, I want you to just indicate it. I won't embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Just lift your hand so I can see it. All right, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand over here. Hands are going up all over. The, yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand back here. Thank you for seeing. Don't be embarrassed about it. Be bold about it. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. That's awesome. Listen, God loves you. And listen, this message, God is, gave it to me to give to you because he wants your life to be lived with his favor and his blessing. Now, listen, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to do me a favor and just raise that other hand just like this with me. And I want you to just, everybody's going to pray this prayer. Just mean it. I can't mean it for you. You have to do that. But just pray this prayer and just pray it from your heart as sincere as you can. Just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so that my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I know I have a diseased heart, but I want a healed heart. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to cleanse me. Lord Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. And I'm asking you to touch my life, to fill my life with your presence, with your favor, and with your blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing my prayer, for answering my prayer, and giving me a new life today. 
in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, amen and amen, amen. Give me that card. Thank you. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. That's the biggest thing that could happen today. Amen. Amen. Listen, you know, some of you I know are interested in the school supplies. And, you know, I'm so grateful that you came because, you know, once those school supplies are used up, they're gone. But what you receive today from the Lord is going to be a life-changing, eternal change. Amen. And so listen. If you pray that prayer, we would love to know about it. We want to pray for you by name. We're not going to harass you. If you do, if you take that card in the pew that says, I made a decision, if you just grab that card, just take 30 seconds to fill it out. And when you go into the lobby, go to the left and give it to the folks at that lobby, in the lobby there. And they'll, they'll give you a Bible if you need one. And, and we just have some resources there to help you get started on the greatest journey of life, the spiritual life. Amen. Now, if you, if you need school supplies, there's a cord like this. It says school supply giveaway, and it should be right there in your pew. If you'll take time to fill that out, and then uh, when you uh, fill it out, if you'll just go straight through these doors right here into the lobby, and there'll be some folks there that'll be ready to receive your card, and then they'll give you another card that'll take you to the school supplies, and they'll give you exactly what you need. Listen, for those of you that are guests today, this congregation gave financially so that you could be blessed. And we just want you to know that we love you and we would love for you to be a part of our family if you don't have one. But we just are, are just honored to just be able to help you make a, a little difference as you educate your children. Amen. So God bless you and thank you for coming. Amen. All right, so now let's, as, as, uh, as they bail out, let's pray. I want to pray favor over you, pray blessing over you. I want to pray for the infilling, the life-changing agent of the Spirit of God to come upon you. Father, thank you that your Spirit is coming upon every heart and every life. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, the waters of your Spirit is watering and changing our hearts from inside out. We thank you that we're a new creature in Christ. We're a new creation. We'll never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a great day.